opportunity to go out to that new Baptist church. Tonight we're going to take a look at the church. So if you have your Bibles, we can turn to Jesus and look at the Ephesians. Don't know where Ephesians is? You've got to learn the Baptist connection in there. Go eat Someone always says, I don't like popcorn. That's no popcorn. Go eat popcorn. If you know where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, you'll find Acts, you'll find Romans, you'll find 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then you'll find Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Be the church. Well, that's what we're going to take a look at tonight. 
church. We're looking at some basic Christianity here. Let's take a look at what it means to be the church. Now, a true biblical church is, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, verse 1, tells us kind of what a true biblical church is. Let's take a look here. Just look a little back up to Ephesians 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. I'm not trying to underline that for you. To the saints who are in Ephesus. In the faith of Christ Jesus. Saints that are in Ephesus. So we're looking for two biblical churches this morning. And if we are being uh, very frank this evening in the year 2023, we got to be careful with what church we go to. we got to be careful with what they're teaching, what they're preaching. doesn't mean that people don't make mistakes. because they do. People misquote me. Yes, it does happen. People have foot-in-the-mouth moments. It's true. We're human beings. However, you do have to be careful sometimes with the doctrine that are taught and what's called or not called a church. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, about five years ago, while speaking and preaching and teaching in Rome pastors, I was working out of a mission there, and I met a new church start. They came to be a part of the mission and be a part of the services we were there. And so I asked them what version of the Bible they use. It's being serious. They said, we don't need the Bible. And I was like, how is that possible? How is it possible? How can you be a church without the Word of God? And they said, well, we do it on our human feelings and human love. They only had about 89 members. As far as I know, that's about all they had to do at this moment. And I thank God for that. So you have to be careful with what's taught out there. And you have to be careful with the things that people are calling churches. And so, just to give you an idea quickly now, some of the things that are out there that you need to be careful of. Number one, you need to be careful of anything called Jehovah's Witnesses. Can I get an amen? You need to be careful of anything called Mormonism or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You need to be careful of that. You need to be careful of anything called Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day Adventists, or you might call nowadays, they've got a new name like the Mormons. Some will call themselves Amazing Facts. And some of you see that online. That's Seventh-day Adventists, right? Um, so there's other things that are out there as well. You need to be careful of. There is a whole branch of, they call themselves Baptists, but they're not Baptists at all. What they are is cultists. Cultists. And what happens is, is they get rebuked, or they get called out in their sin or their life, and they say, well, I don't agree with what the Bible says, so I'll just create my own church that doesn't believe that. Sounds like the modern-day church movement we have today. But we're looking for true biblical church. True biblical church, we're getting a good picture out here in Ephesians 1 and verse 1, and I know you want me to give you the history of the church of Ephesus, but we're not here to do that tonight. We're just taking a look at something very basic there in the scripture to the saints who are in Ephesus. Okay, let's take a look at the next slide and get a picture there. This is Philippians 1 1. Just to give you a reiteration of that point there. True biblical churches. Here we go. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Are you catching that? What's happening there? Where are they? They are where their people are. They are in Ephesus. They are in Philippi. Let's take a look at the next slide here. A true biblical church is then local. Say it with me. Local. True biblical churches are local. They're not always on the internet. That doesn't mean that every church you find on the internet is bad. But true biblical churches are local. They are right there where you are, where your family is, where your people are, and they are where the rubber meets the road. That's a biblical church. They're there where you are. You should have a red flag when somebody drives 30 or 40 miles find a new church. This is Texas. There's a church on every corner. Don't believe me? Drive down the road and come to see how many of these new storefront churches that are opening. They're everywhere. 
they're everywhere, and I don't know which one's a good one or which one's a bad one, but somebody's asked me about that. There's, there's three or four of them. Now, you know anything about the church? I said, absolutely, positively not. They said, would you go to it? And I said, absolutely, positively not. That's not my business. I don't know. Where do you go to? I go to the Baptist church. A true biblical church, though, is local. And these churches were right in the middle of the people they ministered to. And so if we are a true biblical church, then we need to remember what the Bible points out to us. Remember in Ephesians 1 verse 1, to the church in Ephesus. Remember Philippians 1 verse 1, to the church in Philippi. They were right where their people were. They met their people's needs. They understood what their people were going through. They were there with them. It wasn't something that said, there, there, I read about it in the paper or heard about it. I got it through the grapevine. No, no, no. Real biblical churches are right there with their people. Let's look at the next slide. To be local, that means we need to be where they are. And Robertson Avenue Baptist Church, we're supposed to be a biblical church. We need to be right where our people are. Where are our people in Compostone? Where are they? Well, they're certainly not here every Sunday evening. They're certainly not here every Wednesday night. They're certainly not here every Sunday morning. Where are our people in Compostel? Well, they're mixed up in all kinds of things. They're mixed up in football games. They're mixed up in baseball games. They're mixed up in NASCAR. They're mixed up in politics. They're mixed up in immorality and shit. And they're mixed up in something else out there nowadays called I don't careism. Are you familiar with I don't careism? That's in the modern day school district in your little town. I don't careism. I don't care means it does not matter to me what you believe. It doesn't matter to me what you think. It doesn't matter to me who you are. It doesn't matter to me what you've done. It doesn't matter to me what you've experienced. I don't care. If it relates to a modern-day teenager, be able to say, whatever. I don't care. Whatever. To be local, though, be that church that God called us to be, to be the victors that God has called us to be, we need to be a local church. And that means we need to be where our people are. The church isn't just here in the pews. We need to take the church to where the people are. We need to go to where they are. Also, the church needs to be accessible to our people. Remember, local churches are accessible. That means we're welcoming to anybody and to everybody. It also needs to be in our community. We need to understand our community. We need to be our community. The church needs to be made up of who our community members are. It is one thing to have a church with a few people who drive some distances to come, but it's another thing to have a church planted in Coppertoe that's made up of people who don't live in Coppertoe. That would not be a local church, would it? That would be a strange church. People like, who are those people? What are they doing here? Why are they here? They're invading our city. Well, Pastor Lamp Harris that was one of the hardest things for me to overcome was it took a long, long, long time for people to accept me as legitimately there in Lamp for the longest time, they would say, you're not born here, Pastor. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Pastor, you haven't lived here more than a couple of years. I was like, I still don't live here. I live in Coppertoe. And they would say, well, that doesn't make you local. And that was a hurdle that I had to fight with my entire ministry there. But understand, a biblical church is local. It is made up of the people in our community. And what's important to them, then, because it's made up of our community, is important to us. And what's it affecting them? Affects us. Are you hearing me? That's how we know what's going on in their lives. We're the local church. We're the church in Ephesus. We're the church in Philippi. We're right there where our people are doing what our people are doing, experiencing what our people experience, hurting the way our people are hurting, loving the way our people are loving, feeling what our people are feeling because we are local. Let's see the next slide. 
biblical church is not just local, it's also visible. Also visible. Church has to be seen. It has to be seen. When you get out to some of those weird churches out there, and they buy a building that has windows, and I'm going to bring one, I'm going to go ahead and call one out right now, the Church of Jehovah's Witnesses, they will block up every window in the church and say, you can't see what's in. You can't be a part of it. It's a closed-off secret service. Jesus Christ is not about secrets. Jesus Christ is about open, visible service to God Almighty. Look at Galatians 2.10. Here. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. In other words, I want to see the church working in its local community. We should not forget the people who live here with us. They need the gospel just as much as people in Mexico do, just as much as people in Asia do, just as much as people in Africa, just as much as the people in Israel, or people who are in Palestine. People in Copper Stone need the gospel too. Our church is local, and we need to be visibly working with our local people. Amen. Remember Galatians 2.10 again. Paul is actually teaching. He's reaching out. This is the church in Galatia. He said, when I was learning how to be a pastor, learning how to be a missionary, I knew that I had to start working with what was locally around me. And they told me not to forget the poor that was around me. To be a visible church, we need to have an impact in our community. We need to be there when something's going on in our community. We need to be there. You know what we're learning in that class of teaching called Way of Master? We're learning that if the devil will gather them up for us, he's already done the work for us. All we have to do is show up and witness to them. Rabbit thefts were there. You know what's going to happen coming up this Friday the 28th? They're having their Halloween festival. And incidentally, I'm going to throw this out there right now. Right there. Christians don't celebrate Halloween. We don't partake in that. Now, there are some people out there that say, Pastor, I do this, do this. That's you and your business. I'm not here to talk about that here tonight. But I'm here to tell you this. We're visible. If they're going to gather them up there, I'm going to be there gospel them. I'm going to be there praying with them, witnessing for them. And you're invited to be there with me. That's going to happen on the evening of the 28th right here in City Park. I'm going to be there with about 500 gospel tracks. I want to try to give away every single one of them with a personal invite. Come see us at Robert Stanton Baptist Church. The church has to be visible. It has to be local. It has to be visible. It has to be seen, loving, caring, and reaching its community. Because if it does not love its community, then the people in the community will not come. If it does not reach out to its community, then the people in the community will not come. And if we're not seen, loving, and caring, the people in our community will not come. We need to have impact in our community. We need to accomplish something in our community. What do we accomplish in Robinson Avenue? Well, you know, we sit down and thought about that for a second. What are some of the things we do? Well, our biggest ministry is Operation and what a wonderful ministry it is. It's a beautiful, wonderful ministry. And we've made it not just global. We've made it open to what? To the public, to local people, local churches, to our local Chick-fil-A, to our local schools, to our local nursing homes, to our local community. And they get involved in it. We need to accomplish it. You know what else we do? We go door to door and give away 30 to 40 complete Thanksgiving dinners a year. We need to be visible in our community. You know what else church needs to do? To be local? We need to evangelize this local community. Don't trust just the gospel fact to do the evangelism for you. You be the church. Don't just come to church. You be the church. And the church is supposed to be on mission. The church is supposed to be evangelizing, witnessing, testifying, declaring the wonderful works of our Almighty God. Amen. 
we evangelize our cities, we evangelize our towns, and we evangelize our neighborhoods because we're local. I want to live in a neighborhood where everybody's saved. You want to go back? Listen to me now, Robert Family Baptist Church. You want to go back to those days and age where you can leave your car unlocked? Get your neighborhood saved. You want to go back to those days and age where you can leave your windows open at night? Get everybody in your neighborhood saved. You want to go back to the trusted government again? Reach out and witness to the politicians. They need to be saved. Was a local church was visible in what we do. Let's take a look at the next slide. Now, an invisible church cannot assemble. They can't assemble. They cannot serve. They cannot preach. They cannot baptize. They cannot fellowship. They cannot give. They can't evangelize, etc., etc., etc. There's nothing more destructive, detrimental to the church's mindset than this particular slogan right here. They know where we are. That is the mindset of the modern-day church. They know where we are. They know where we're meeting. We advertise our services. No. A local church loves its community. A local church reaches out to its community. A local church is visible in its community. It's visible, reaching, preaching, teaching, loving, witnessing. It's visible being the body of Christ that He's called us to be. Let's take a look at the next slide. True biblical church isn't just local, though. Local organized. Organized. That's right. God loves order. He loves order. This order is not chaos. Chaos is not from God. Look at me in Titus 1 5 here. Take a look at the advice that Apostle Paul gives young Titus on a very hard mission front called Crete. Look at this. Paul writes to this young missionary. He says, Hey, for this reason, I left you in Crete. What reason are you talking about? So there can be order that you should set in order the things that are lacking. Bring some order to that local church. Right. How do you do that? And you appoint elders in every city of that community. You appoint them. People you can trust. People you can pray with. People who will pray with you in those local communities. Local people to do that. So they can be seen loving, witnessing, preaching, teaching, outreach. means we're not in chaos. In order. When we're in order, we have. We have. We have something. We can do with that. Next slide, please. We have officers, don't we? We have officers. When we have officers in our church, we can take a look at who they are. First Timothy chapter 3 gives us a rundown of some of those officers. Let me go this way. This is part of the scripture about requirements to be a bishop, a pastor, a deacon, a pastor, details here and there. But this is the good picture of it. Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's we'll take a look at what our first officer of the church is, pastor, a bishop. This is a faithful saying. This is verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, I want to stop for just a second. man desires the office and the position of bishop, he desires, my Bible says, a good work. Let me tell you something. You often think bishops and pastors are those guys who just sit back there, put their thumbs at the office, and I can't wait for Sunday morning. I 
can't wait for Sunday night. I can't wait for Wednesday night. You need to read again First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It's a good work. You never, ever stop working. You never, ever stop preaching. You never, ever stop teaching. You never, ever stop praying. You never, ever stop witnessing. The phone never stops ringing. The text never stops coming. It's a good work. But it is what? somebody online. You can't do that. Oh, you can give them advice. Oh, you can pray with them. Sure you can. That's not pastoring. A bishop then must be blameless. You've got to be able to watch your bishop, go with your bishop, pray with your bishop, reach out and touch your bishop. Look here in verse 2 again. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Oh, I don't want to open that can of worms tonight. The husband of one wife. Separate.
Moreover, he must have a good testimony, verse 7, among those who are outside, lest he fall into the throat and the snare of the devil. Let's take the next slide. Deacons are the next officer here. We're local, we're organized, we're visible. Let's look at deacons here. What do deacons do? What do they do? Amen. First Timothy 3, verse 8, 13. What does deacon mean? What does he call them? Likewise, deacons, which is comparison, likewise, just like a pastor, likewise, deacons must be reverent. Let me tell you, if you need to be reverent, take the time off. Not double tongues, not giving too much wine. Pastors, not giving a wine at all. Deacons, not much wine. My deacons are going, amen, right now. Not greedy for money. Holding the mystery. We got that second picture. The mystery of the faith. They hold on to the faith of God with a pure conscience, knowing what it means to have somebody saved, knowing what it means to watch a poor, precious, broken-hearted person come to Jesus Christ and become restored and renewed. They know with all gentle conscience what it means to witness salvation. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. Amen. Look at the next slide, please. Verse 10. But let these also first be tested. Let the phone ring. Let the text come in. Let the complaint talk. See, they want to do what they say. Verse seven. Let's see verse eleven. Likewise, and guys, look at deacons. Who also say this is just deacons' wives, also deacons and pastors' wives. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, kindly, temperate, faithful. Third one, dinner on the ground. 
second, but the third one. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. This is our first order. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. That's our first order. Baptism is a picture of obedience in the believer. My first step to obey my risen Lord is declaration to a world that I am no longer living for me, but I am living for Jesus. That is the first ordinance of the church. Baptize them. And I'm proud to say, like Nazarene, baptize them. We should be baptized on Sunday, pray for us. We baptize. Let's take a look at the next slide. Do you want the second ordinance that we do? We do it every other month here at Rock Mountain. We used to do it every month until I got here. We do it every other month. That's called the Lord's Supper. Some people will say it's communion. And I have no problem calling it communion. I have a problem calling it Eucharist. Eucharist is totally different than Eucharist. Well, number one, it's cross. It doesn't belong to that scripture. What is Eucharist? That, that is a transubstantiation, transfiguration of the bread becoming the actual body of Christ. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we do it in the name of Jesus. How could it actually become? And that's what Eucharist means. Revelation, we read in trouble. We know something about churches that eat things. Lord's Supper here is the next order to take a look at. First Corinthians 11, 23 26. This is the Apostle Paul teaching the church in Corinth to do this ordinance. And they have abused this ordinance. They have turned this ordinance into an entire dinner. They have turned this ordinance into a drunk set. They have turned this ordinance into, well, it's just for me and you, and we're doing it over here as this class. We're doing it over here as that class. No, no, no. It's an ordinance of the church, for the church, by the church, served by the deacon to the body of Christ. It's an ordinance. First Corinthians 11, 23 and 26. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he breaks it and says, Hey, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That is the second ordinance of the church. We partake in the Lord's Supper. We remember what He did for us on the cross. His body broken for us. We remember His blood poured out for us. And the reason why it's done is something so simple as bread and wine. And so that we will never forget what He did for us. Therefore, don't forget what He did. Be baptized. We partake in the Lord's Supper. Not only, though, are we a local church, we are a visible church, we must be local. Not only do we are a visible church, we must be outreaching into our community. Not only are we organized with offices, we also have our ordinances. Our ordinances. Those are standing, non-negotiable ordinances. We also have our ordinances. We also have our ordinances. 
fact, it's there for everyone to see. You can't miss it. It's there. Look with me, please. In Mark 16, 15, we've got that standing order that Jesus Christ Himself told us to do. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Our order is to preach the gospel to every creature. And if you've been online for the last two or three years saying, I wish I could find a home church, I'm here to tell you, you should be obeying the orders of Christ. You should be getting yourself back into fellowship. You should be getting yourself back into a ecclesia, back into a kinonia, and back into God's house, following God's orders, preaching the gospel to every creature in the common Let's look at the next slide. It is Christ's church after all. Amen? not my church. not your church. It's not a collective body's church. Well, we just make a democratic uh, vote here. But we often do it that way. But we have signs. He is the head of the church. He is. And as the head, we are His body. We are His body. We are His feet. We are His hands. We are His heart. We are His stomach. We are His knees. We are His body. Everything internal is accomplished by him. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask to think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory and the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's look at verse 21. Oh, excuse me, Colossians 1, 17 to 18 again. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. We give him the glory. He's the head. He's supposed to tell us what to do. He's supposed to just be able to will what we do. That's your question. Take a look at your body, that wonderful, wonderful marvel of creation. Just think about your fingers, moving. You can move them. You can also say, I can think about it and not let it move. Ha, ha, ha. Can you imagine how the body of Christ might look like that? Hands going everywhere, fingers moving anyway, feet moving, knees bending, stomachs turning and burning, and hearts thumping and missing beats because we are not listening to the head. We're listening to our own selves, to our own will, to what we want done. Instead, we need to get back to listening to the head. Look at me again in Colossians 1. Chapter uh, 1, verses 18 here. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things we may have continued. He's the head of the body. Let's look at the next one. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Remember, we began there in this particular verse here about some new great mystery. I'm thinking of Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. As a good husband, as a good pastor, as a good deacon, love your wife like Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. Do you want your wife to fight with you? Love her like Jesus did the church. Love her like that. that look at this here, verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He gently guides her, leads her, washes her, cleanses her. Yes, he's going to make mistakes, but because he loves her, he's there washing her away because he loves her. And so we as husbands need to love our wives like that. We should get the wives. We need to love our husbands like that as well. 
know that's hard to say. Especially with some of the men I've met around the world. Girl, hard to love a husband like that. Hard to love a wife like that. Well, you know, things happen. We know how to push each other's buttons, don't we? We know how to make each other mad, don't we? We know how to get on each other's back. And look at what the Bible says. Love hurts like Christ loved the church. And he loved the church so much. He has not come down as yet to say, quit wiggling. Stop moving. I'm going to bring you where you need to be. Don't forget to love your husband. You've got to do this. You can't go down. 
Closes off their religion leader. You can already be assured that they shall not prevail against the word of God. It will not come back void. It will.